Hello and welcome to the Evolve podcast, hosted by me, Simon Bocco, where I interview successful people who talk openly and honestly about the journey they've been on to become the person they are today, sharing stories, insights, tips and anecdotes along the way. It's a great opportunity to learn from entrepreneurs, business leaders, creatives and technologists who've all taken very different paths to success. So welcome to another episode of the Evolve podcast. I'm joined by Leon Mills today, who's co-founder of Adam Recruitment. How's it going, Leon? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Simon. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. So we were just discussing before this started how we kind of know each other. So we met a very, very long time ago, and then we've been very busy ever since with me kind of building my business and you building your business. But it'd be good to kind of get a bit of an overview in terms of kind of what you do at Adam. And I think what's really interesting for me is your difference. And I think the reason why you're called Adam, if I, if, if I kind of look at your website, is, is that that way of getting to know people more and understanding people more. So it'd be good to, to kind of hear about the business and what you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll try not to ramble on. If I do ramble on, Simon, just... <laughs> I'll definitely tell you off. I'll tell you yes, off. Don't worry. Yeah, just, just put me back in line. So, yeah, for those... Of, well, probably all of your listeners probably haven't got a clue who I am. But, uh, yeah, my name is Leon Milnes. I'm the co-founder of a business called We Are Adam. We launched 15 years ago uh, up in Manchester, and we help ambitious agencies and ambitious brands find great people. So as you can imagine, in this marketplace that we're in, we're, um, we're, we're well, I look knackered. I haven't, got, I haven't got any kids at home. So it's literally because I'm working so bloody hard at the moment because the recruitment headhunting marketplace at the moment is absolutely nuts. So yeah, so we, we basically, on behalf of our clients, we help them find high caliber marketing, advertising, digital, commercial, strategy, planning, innovation, performance marketing, HR talent, basically. And we help a whole manner of businesses based um, from startups, scale-ups, fast growth, SMEs, and even PLCs. But we like to position ourselves as, as far more than just a recruitment business. And we do provide a lot more than, we provide clients with a lot more than just a CV and then a candidate and a bum on a seat, essentially. We sort of position ourselves very much as a strategic talent partner. So what I mean by that is on the one hand, as I've, as I've mentioned, we offer valuable search selection and headhunting services. But on the other hand, we, we also have a dedicated consultancy arm where we advise agencies and businesses on how to get the very best out of their employee journey. We've got two strands to our business. So you can imagine how busy we are in sort of the, the hiring aspect now, but also clients are trying that up, to do their utmost to hold on to the very best people because it's such a competitive market out there. And Simon, you mentioned earlier about us yeah, being, being very much about depth of relationships. Yeah, when, when Richard and myself set the business up 15 years ago, we wanted to be sort of the antithesis to a, a high volume, low, low margin type recruitment business. And we wanted to be strategic partners to our clients. You know, we could have called ourselves Milnes Gagan Recruitment, but we wanted to really have the brand essence and captured in who we are, which is why we called ourselves Adam. And the base of that is get to know us from Adam, uh, sort of that, that play on words. So hopefully that's that's what we do. We build relationships. A lot of the candidates that we work with that we place or even don't place become our clients. And that's how the relationships just mushroom and, and go. Right, I'll shut up now. I know I tend to I'm waffling on a bit. <laughs> no, but I think what's interesting is unbeknownst to you, you've kind of led into my kind of first question, which is usually on the podcast, we, we talk about the journey first, where you've come from. But I think 
right now, um, as you've pointed out, the jobs market specifically it is in many industries, but specifically in the industries in which you operate, yeah. has gone absolutely bonkers. You know, and there's a real race for talent. And primarily from what I'm seeing, it'd be interesting to, to see what you're seeing as you're in market, it's good people are staying still. And so everyone's working really hard to keep them because they recognize they're not going to find another one of those. So they suddenly start to look after you a bit more than they might have done before. And then there's a race for people, those people that are in those jobs, or, or lots of people have gone freelance as well and kind of reassessed post-COVID. And so there's lots of people that come up to me and say, oh, can you recommend someone for X or someone for Y? And I'm like, they're either firmly in their job and they've just picked up some shares and they're in for the long term, or they've gone freelance and they're booked up till Christmas. You know, So it'd be interesting to see, understand what you're kind of seeing in the market and how your clients are managing to navigate what is a, is a really competitive market. You know, it's a seller's market, it's not a buyer's market. So it'd be good to understand what you're seeing right now in post-COVID. Yeah, well, the analogy that I have is it's very much like the housing market at the moment in the UK. It's gone absolutely nuts, hasn't it? And there's not enough um, supply and huge demand. We're actually, my wife and I are actually looking to buy a house at the moment. Yeah, ditto. Um, Forget, like, I've got but, one thing to look at, you know, it's, and it's an absolute rip-off. Yeah, there's, there's one, there's, as soon as houses come on the marketplace, it goes to seal. Yeah. Field bids within three days and, and that goes for 10% over the asking price. So it is slightly similar to the, the, the talent attraction marketplace is slightly similar to that. But let, let me just take you back 18 months, 2020, Jan, Feb, March, COVID hits. None of us know what's going to go on A, with the, the world, our businesses. Everyone puts a freeze. Well, most businesses put a freeze on their hiring just to try and fathom out how we're going to navigate through this impending mess that 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 we're on the cusp of going through so obviously through through that sort of nine month period in 2020 we've all had to evolve our propositions accordingly we've all had to work remotely uh, flexibly but we've all been able to be just as a well, nine nine times out of ten just as efficient and as productive working from home as we are doing from 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 the workplace so fast forward to the start of 2021 and the market and the and everything seems to be picking up. Everything seems to be really optimistic. COVID's under control. The vaccinations are coming out. So there's a real sense and an urge and an appetite to hire again. So in essence, 2021, there's two years of hiring that are getting squeezed into one on the basis of businesses just didn't grow yeah. last year. So in 2021, we've got that amount of demand, two years of demand squeezed into one. And through the eyes of talent, as, as you rightly said, there's a faction of people who just will not look at a new opportunity at the moment because of a ner of nervousness around what happens if, you know, there, we still don't know if we're out of the woods here, do we? That, you know, there could be another another absolute spike and another variant of COVID that hits us. Let's hope not. You know, I'm not being a harbinger of doom here. I'm just being a realist. So those people are staying put because they're in a comfortable job. They're well looked after by their, their employers. They can probably do their job standing on their heads. And they've got a nice little comfort blanket around them should we go into another potential downturn, so to speak. So that's ruled out, let's say, a third of the talent marketplace. Now, employers, business owners like ourselves or senior leaders in businesses have realised more than ever over the last 12 months that people are the very greatest asset in all our businesses. People are what keeps our businesses going. So what we've all done is made sure that we've listened to what our, our, our people are looking for. We've evolved our cultures accordingly. We're letting people work flexibly, a couple of days a week in the office or wherever they need to, whatever they need to do, as long as they're productive. We're making sure as leaders that we're 
taking people on an inspiring and exciting journey. We've really sharpened our pencil in terms of this is where we are now, but this is the vision. This is where going, where we're going. This is the excitement that's going to be associated with that business. And this is your key role within making that vision a reality. So if you're in a business where you believe in the leaders and you like, you like the leaders, where the culture is a modern day working culture, you're being paid well or in accordance with your market value, and you're on a development plan for 12 months, why do you need to leave? You just don't need to leave. Italy. So, so, so therefore, job adverts just aren't working anymore because if you're happy in a job that you're doing well, you, you're not pissed off with your boss, that's something. You don't have to spend five minutes getting on LinkedIn at lunchtime or whatever job, job board it might well be. So how we're hoping to, or how we are solving that problem for our clients is, we, luckily, we evolved our proposition into a more of a proactive search and selection business about five years or so ago. So we can sit down with, with any client. The first thing we'll do is have a discovery session with them, whereby that we will ask them about warts and all. Tell us about the story from day one to current day. What have been the milestones? What have been the, the highs, the lows, the learnings, all that kind of good stuff. Tell us about the culture, how it's all evolved. You know, Just give us the story that you want, the compelling narrative that you want us to go and narrate to to passive job seekers. So you've got that aspect. But then, as I mentioned earlier, what's the future look like? Tell us about the direction of travel that you're heading in. So we'll, we'll excite them with this is what's happened. And then we'll dangle in front of talent. This is what's going to happen. And this will be the contribution that you make to making that vision a reality. And this is how you'll learn, develop. And this is the excitement you're going to have. So with both sides of the coin, we're now going to passive talent. And they're the best people because they don't need to look. And gently, I guess, seducing them, if you like, on a commercial basis and, you know, really igniting or piquing the interest of them saying, how about this is a potential opportunity? And then informal conversations will then lead to them having a chat with the, the employer. The employer then do the, the narrative and the sell and it goes from there. But it's we're all having to work a lot bloody harder. I'll tell you that for nothing, Simon, both us as, as talent partners, but business owners because we're having to make our businesses you know we're having to set up our businesses a little bit aren't we well i think there's a few things there i think i, I see a lot of those things that's almost best practice it's kind of force yeah. someone to do what you should have done which is if you want top talent you need to give them something to buy into beyond the salary you know and i think i guess what's interesting for me at the moment is what are the key drivers for people to tempt them out of a certain position and is that unified is that everyone wants to work two days from home or everyone wants a massive salary or does that vary like what you're kind of seeing from a salary and benefits perspective and, and, and culture and vision and all of those things that is finding it that, that really resonates with top talent at the moment so let's just go on the, the culture piece first because um, i think that's a really interesting one we're seeing the pendulum start swinging like this now to start of the year it's like i want to roll in a business where it can be five days working flexibly from home which is fine. A lot of businesses did flip their models so that they could accommodate people like that. Um, some businesses, you'll be gobsmacked to hear, have gone totally obsolete and saying, we need people in the office five days a week. If that is the case, talent won't even look at them because there's four other job opportunities yeah. that will give them flexible working. Now the pendulum has swung in the, the other direction. Um, and unfortunately, businesses that have jettisoned their office space because they don't need it and it's, a, it's an expense that they're not getting any return from, Candidates now want, want to feel like they're part of a community. So remote-first businesses, unfortunately, are missing out on some talent because 
people want to get back and, and be amongst their colleagues. They miss the community. They miss the, the banter. They miss the walking to go and get a butter or a coffee at lunch. They miss the 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Oh, should we go and have a couple of beers? You know, people are missing being alive and living and morphing work and, and, and life together. So it's really interesting how, how, that's, how that's doing that. But I think what people are looking for from a cultural perspective is people just want to be treated like adults and human beings. And they want, you know, I think the very best businesses that we're working with are saying, well, we, we have a flexible working policy. Yes, there will be times when we need people in the office for collaborative meetings or whatever it might well be. But you choose how best you're going to be able to get the best out of your working life, be productive on a professional level and for it to align with your personal responsibilities. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing for me is around on a personal level, flexibility, the opportunity to choose. And, and also be treated as an adult. So I've got some childcare issues. I got to jump on, I got to sort something out. I've got, you know, I've got meetings. I'm, I'm going to do them all in the office. So yeah. you know, actually treat me as an adult to say, you've got to do a certain amount of hours. You've got to do a certain amount of work per week. You do that in the way that works for you. I mean, I'm speaking very personally, that might be different yeah. for everyone else, but w- would have great appeal to me. And I think you probably get a much bigger commitment than the old school agency model, which is, you are a, this is a factory, you, you are a cog in the machine and uh, you churn out X, Y and Z on a daily basis. And if you don't, I'll find another, you know, I think hopefully that the, the positive, if there is anything to come out of COVID is, is that that like, from what you're saying is kind of shifting yeah. and there's real people understand and investing in talent because ultimately in professional services, we are all the product, you know, yeah. and people don't never really seem to understand if you, if you treat the product poorly, no one will buy it, you know? So I think this kind of interesting thing. So you're saying flexibility is key. Flexibility is key. And I think if we, if we are giving flexibility to our employees, in essence, what we're doing is driving that level of trust. We are trusting them to do a job uh, to the best of their ability on time and productively. But what this also drives through the eyes of our employees is, if we're giving them all this, that should drive loyalty. Loyalty in the eyes of all the people that work with us in our businesses. And loyalty drives retention and um, a deeper sense of engagement and commitment to that business. And how do you try and, you know, um, how do you try and offset against people leaving your businesses? You give them what they want. You give them that level of engagement, autonomy, empower them to do the very best things. Because as, as you say, as you said at the start of the, the conversation, you, you know, if people do go, people are leaving, it leaves a massive hole. They'll have to come and engage in people in our services, which costs money. The time to hire, the time for that individual once they have been hired, they'll probably have a worst case three month notice, depending on the level they are, C-suite, six months. You know, the knock on effect of the, the I'm not going to say word chaos or the disruption it causes by you know, key integral people losing one business to, to go to another is for business owners. It's a bloody headache, as, as you and I both know. Well, yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting for me is the role that salary plays. So I've noticed like, I've had people approaching me fairly regularly now with some sort of job or another. Um, despite the fact I've got my own business and had no, no interest in what I've noticed is the salaries are an absolute whack. Like it, before I started my business, I could have earned that sort of money and, and yeah. that kind of package. I would I would probably have been less tempted to start my own thing. But it's kind of interesting is, is that just a crude tactic where you think, well, if I offer you 20% over market rate, that's going to tempt you into something. 
where does salary play a role? Because because for some people it's important and some people less so. Like that that vision and culture is going to be far more important than paying over market rates. So, so where does salary kind of kind of fit into this? Yeah, it's a very it's a very good question, Max. I think at the end of the day, what what people forget is the higher the salary that that you are offered, the higher the level of expectation in terms of impact, delivery, return on investment that a business will be looking for you. So it could have a counter counterintuitive effect that you know if you're you know if you're well, an account manager an agency you're earning you know 30 30 ish k and you go going get a senior account manager job and they they raft it up to 40 45 50 which is aligned with an account director kind of salary they'll be they'll be wanting flesh and blood for that kind of salary that they're paying you so my advice would be be very careful if people, people, if you're listening and you are looking to move from one job to another, if people are waving big wads of cash in front of you, I would just make sure you're, yeah, you're scrutinising the clients and really understanding what the culture's like, what the direction of travel in, and make sure everything aligns with your aspirations. What's the leadership like? What's the management like? All those kind of good stuff. Because it is very easy, as you said, to get blindsided by someone offering you X amount. But I've also, I think, yeah, that the marketplace is very topsy-turvy at the moment. You know, I think people are chucking adverts out there or saying, you know, X amount of money. And you get people who who are at that level and nowhere near that level say, well, I've seen a job advert. I've seen it's paying £20,000 more than I'm earning. That's what I want. I said, well, with the greatest respect, any business or any business will pay you what they think you're worth, what value you're going to bring to the business. So I don't know, I just... I hate getting involved in these kind of battles between, oh, well, that business is offering me X amount, and so I want this amount. I said, well, you can't compare that business to that business because they're going a different direction to this, and they're at that size, this is at this size, and all that kind of stuff. We're even seeing at the moment people are getting signing on bonuses. We're just seeing that at the moment because because of larger corporates, working with some global corporates at the moment, and they literally are offering people the top of the salary bracket because they have brackets still but they'll offer an x amount golden handshake or whatever it's called or signing on bonus to secure these people it's it is nuts i've never so i've been in this industry 20 years and i probably look like i've been in it 30 years or even 40 years i look so knackered um i've never seen it this nuts time and it's just getting crazier every day Um, it's exciting but it's just like when will this madness stop yeah, it's crazy. I think interesting thing as well, which kind of brings on to my next question is the mistakes that people make in the hiring process. So you see lots of LinkedIn posts that talk about, you know, one of the big things for me, which is a big turn off is a, a very long five stage interview process or something like that. Instantly, I'm like, see you later. I'm not, yeah. I, don't, I don't really feel that's a, a fair, you know, unless it's really, 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 really top, 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 top job that's a personal turn off for me but uh, and also if people dilly dally on you you know i like someone who who see it like it buy it it's like I, I know the market i know what i'm looking for you're the best candidate by a long way we'll make you an offer rather than great you're the best candidate i've seen by a long way i'm going to put an advert out and we'll get another three CVs and, and talk about it so it'd be good to understand whether those mistakes have changed in this crazy market and kind of what, what the the mistakes of today are versus maybe a couple of years ago and and, and how people can Kind of mitigate those. Yeah, yeah. No, it's another really, really good question. And we are at the start of every campaign or every assignment we're speaking to our clients. We are educating them on best practice, on the process, on this. This is how to secure the very best 
person or people for your business. And like you say, there is no excuse now for not being dynamic with your interview process. We helped a business, an FMCG or pseudo startup, a few months ago, um, hire a marketing director, and it was all done within, within I introduced a candidate, and it was done within six days. Pre-COVID, that would have probably taken, yeah, four, six, eight weeks because everyone's here, there, and everywhere. But literally, it was yeah, several Zoom calls over the over the course of a week. They did go into the, the business and meet the team, but it was all done in a high-octane kind of you know process, and it was it was done and dusted and executed brilliantly. But a lot of businesses are sitting on CVs and they'll come back to us three days later and say, Oh, I like the look of Jane, Bob, and and Charlotte. And say, so, well they're off the market you know if they do dilly dally around as you said that they're, they're literally going to be off the market so we say to, to clients the moment we introduce you to a cv we need feedback that day or within 24 hours if you want to see them we'll tee up a zoom stroke team score within within 24 hours and that first interview is the, the tail's wagging the dog here that first interview is you on the front foot mr client or mrs client extolling the virtues of the business you know will have told the, the candidate about the business, the direction of travel, but it's your opportunity, you as the salesperson, to you know just sell your business, excite them, really make them think, yeah, I'd love to work there. As opposed to three, four, five years ago, that first stage interview was the candidate being scrutinized and you know, being, you know, you you assessing me for my suitability. It's the flip side of that. So so that first interview or that first gentle gentle seduction piece should happen very, very quickly and then get them into the office as soon as possible. If not, there will be three, four other jobs that they're looking at in, in conjunction with this and you'll lose out to a competitor. So we're, we're having to advise people being really sharp, really incisive, decisive, get the right people pulled into to meetings either online like we're doing or in person and dazzle them with, with you know, don't lie to them, but... Just be dead honest and dazzle them about the authenticity of the business, the direction of travel, the journey, the excitement, the personal development, the team you're going to be involved with, the culture, like the housing market. You know, within three days, it's sealed bid and goes to highest bidder. If you're not that dynamic and quick off the market, it's exactly the same. So it's, it's nuts. It is crazy. And is there a difference? I know you've got an office in Manchester and one in London. Are you seeing a slightly different what, what's happening in Manchester to London or is it all the same? Um, good question. I mean, there's loads of similarities. I mean, yeah, the talent pool in London should arguably be bigger than it is in Manchester, and but you're still each city are finding shortages of, of of similar skill sets. I think it's worth noting that a lot of people have there's been an exodus of people moving out of big cities to. I think Cornwall's the most desirable place to live now, isn't it? Because people have just realised that. There's far more to life than getting on a tube on a train for an hour a day there and back to work. So because business, most businesses have got a flexible working policy and you can work from anywhere, talent pools have just been opened up, which has been a big benefit for us as well, albeit um, clients say, yeah, they can work from anywhere, which is a bit difficult when you say, well, can we just try and pinpoint exactly where you want? You know, Previously, if we were working with a head office in London or Manchester, you, you've got your perimeters of an hour's commuting where you can search from. But now it's like, yeah, they can work from anywhere. So it's like, wow, where do we start searching for, for people like that? But in the same breath, that has that has leveled the playing field for talent, whereby, you know, from a macroeconomic microeconomics perspective, some people might not have had the, the financial ability to commute into London every day. Now, 
people who, who, who are like that have an option to be presented to these businesses because of remote working. So there's so many great benefits to what's happened on the back of the pandemic. Yeah, and I think what I'd like to do now, actually, is kind of go back to the beginning. So usually we start at the beginning and then we go, but I just think it's such a, an interesting topic now. And there's so much kind of happening in the market. I wanted to talk about that first. But um, I did a bit of LinkedIn uh, stalking before our conversation. Yeah. And uh, you actually did a degree in Spanish and French. I did. Um, so it's interesting for me how you've gone from uh, Spanish and French to working for a, a very large uh, recruitment business to, to your own yeah. and that the, the kind of personal side of things that journey that you've been on personally and and how you've transitioned to that and why you got into recruitment and and, and that side of things yeah growing up I just I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life in fact I do I, I tell a lie I did I wanted to be a professional golfer but I was never <laughs> are you any good at golf <laughs> yeah I'm quite good at golf it's my well my, my, yeah I, I'm good at it um I enjoy it it's my passion it's what I love it's how I detach for four hours a week on a Saturday leaving my phone in the car but I, I love it but I'm just yeah it was never going to be good enough and the dedication that was required to become a professional sports person if you like or anything professional is you know right up there so yeah no I I, I had a passion for languages I Left school, went and uh, went to South Africa for a year to teach uh, to teach kids in school. Travelled around South Africa, and then then ended up at Leeds University doing French and Spanish, and it was brilliant. I loved it. Um, the reason why I chose French and Spanish, I have got a passion for languages, but due to the course, well, I spent three months away in France, uh, and this was in 1998, and that was when the French World Cup was on. So, about 30 of us from Leeds University ended up in Saint Etienne, which isn't the most um, picturesque of of, of cities. But it was one of the host venues in, in for the World Cup. So we all we all went down there, Exodus from Leeds, lots of lots of us who knew each other really well. We had a great three months and we were interpreters during the World Cup for the uh, for the firemen. So it was a great experience. And then the following year I went to a place called Salamanca in Spain, which is a I guess equivalent to the likes of, of the Oxford Cambridge in terms of the uh, the how renowned it is as a as an education establishment. To be honest with you, I didn't really do much work <laughs> when I was out there. I played rugby for the university. I lived with a couple of Spaniards and another mate from, from Leeds. And we just sat around mainly at home or going out and just chatted Spanish. So it was a great learning cycle for me. Fast forward, um, graduated. Literally, I did not have a clue what I was going to do in my life. So I literally just um, thought about what I loved doing, thought about my skills. And, you know, I think I'm... Pretty outgoing. I've got a wide network of people that I know. I can get on with people from any walk of life, and I'm really curious. Um, and I like to help people first and foremost. So when I I looked at my black book of people of who I know, who I know who might be able to introduce me to businesses, that sort of thing, I got introduced to to a chap who worked for a big corporate um, global recruiting business. Sent in my CV, which didn't really have much on it, let's be fair. <laughs> <And he just laughs> went, went to a World Cup, spoke a yeah, bit of Spanish yeah, with a few guys. Exactly. That's all you need. He looked at my sporting background, which was um, pretty good. I played first team at, at school for rugby, cricket, football, that sort of thing. And part of what this business were looking for back in the day are team players and people that could clearly get on with people. So immediately got, got a few interviews there. Literally, I was put through the mill that I basically winged it and managed to get hired by this, this PLC business, Michael Page, probably lots of people have heard of them. And it was, it was like the Rolls Royce of marketing recruitment back in the day in the two thousands. And it was the best 
five years learning I could could ever have done. I mean, it was brutal. It was, you know, imagine going from being a, a, a layabout student to eight till eight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. and eight till six on a Friday. And if you weren't in on time, you'd have to go and get breakfast. Yeah, all the stigma attached to recruitment back in the back in the day, it was there. It was it was hardcore, but I loved it. I learned so much. But my heart wasn't in to being a big corporate, a small cog in a corporate wheel. You know, I was all about wanting to to, to set up something for myself. You know, I don't, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur, but I consider myself as being enterprising, and I wanted to build something myself. And that's when me and my business partner, he was also a, a senior player at, the, at Michael Page. And yeah, we conjured up the idea and rolled with it. And here we are 15 years later. How does it all start? Then? Was it just the two of you kind of bashing the phones on the grind? Did you take a client with you? How did, how did you get going yeah, on, on day yeah, one? Literally, it was that. Um, well, there was three of us that launched the business and we were the management for Michael Page in Manchester. So it was a bit of a bombshell for our, our old director when the three of us resigned all on the same morning. So we had, to, we, had to, we had a three-month gardening leave, but when we actually looked at all the all the small print, we had to we, had, we basically didn't work for six months just to make sure we were squeaky clean in terms of our contracts and not contravening. Yeah. So so during that six months, I played a lot of golf. <laughs> <laughs> really working on the business, help, helping grow it. You know, not your website. You know, not working on some PR, your profile, just oh, trying to reduce your handicap. Nice for living, isn't it, Simon? <laughs> <laughs> so no, we uh, yeah, we obviously spent a lot of time working on the the business, the brand, looking at strategy, how we were going to grow, and and literally day one when we were incorporated and legally incorporated and not contravening our our covenants, it was just get on the phone and start catching up with people and getting getting back in front of people. So it literally was the first 12, 18 months, two years. It was a proper grind, but I loved it. I loved it, you know, being in the trenches, talking about the brand, talking about why we're different, the uniqueness of we're all about partnerships and relationships. We're not just about, you know, transacting. You'll never hear from them again. It was about, you know, going on that journey with people, placing them over their career. You know, over the years, I've placed people that have become, you know, CEOs of businesses. I've placed them two, three, four times, and now they're CEOs or they've done MBOs or they've launched their own business. And we've gone on that journey with people. And that, for me, seeing people success and me having a very small part of their success or helping them on their way is what what drives me and what drives all of us in our business. And how did you find the transition then from working in a large business to having your own? Because I, I, I always found that one of the, the learnings for me was I used to run an agency. And so I thought I understood how to run an agency. And then when you do your own, you realise you haven't got a chuffing clue what you're doing so, yeah. so talk to me about that how, that kind of transition I think it's also probably even a bigger jump because you've got the security of working for a large global player with all the infrastructure and processes and, and systems and so on to I guess what I'm envisaging two, two or three guys in a garage type, type thing on the grind yeah. talk, talk to me about that transition and, and the learning curve from from day one yeah well we, yeah as you say we took everything for granted that was literally done for us in this big behemoth of a business. And we just turned up and when we worked for that business, just turned up, smashed it and made money for them. So as you can imagine, when we launched our own business, we need to get a good accountant. Uh, we need to get good legal partners. Um, who's going to deal with the bank? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And I'm very fortunate that my business partner, Richard, deals with all... Well, as I say, in both, you know, most good relationships, one of you's got to have really good strengths in that area and really good strengths in that area. It quickly panned out. But he he was brilliant at all the stuff that I was terrible at. 
and just wasn't interested in. So yeah, perfect uh, business partner, the, that yin and yang, I think yeah, is essential. Yeah, the yin and yang. So we really complemented each other. I mean, it took years to, to actually realise that that's because that's what it does take time, doesn't it? Whereas to realise, well, hang on a minute. Well, Leon, you just do that because A, you love it. You're bloody good at it. And the business needs to do that. And Richard, you just look after that aspect. But yeah, now we've got it 15 years in, we've got it pretty much locked down that he does all the stuff over there on the, the left side. I do all the stuff on that side and we're accountable to each other for, for delivering that. But yeah, you're right. It's when you're in your infancy of running a business, you just don't, you know, you need to be, as, as you're probably seeing now, you need to be out there. You need to be seeing clients, nurturing relationships, prospecting, doing webinars like this, building your brand, doing great content. That all takes a lot of time. And, and then you need to be actually doing the business as well, invoicing out that business so that you, you're building that and you've got cash flow and you can see some runway. And then you've got to deal with your bank, deal with your VAT return and do all this and all the, there's just so many plates that need to be spun. Um, but that's the excitement of it, isn't it? That's the learning curve um, that, that happens as, as, you, as you grow a business. Where is the kind of tipping point? Because I think there's a, there's a point where you move from, I don't really have a clue what I'm doing, and then suddenly it kind of drops, and then you do start to have a clue what you're doing. And then, again, it might be different for you, but then you start to see kind of inorganic growth rather than this kind of incremental. Was there a, a tipping point that you can remember, whether that's a, a new client win or just whether it clicked for you guys mentally or on an operational level? I don't know if we've got to that tipping point yet, Simon. If you, uh, still, <laughs> still looking for it. If you have, could you share the uh, share the wealth? Um, no, joking apart, genuinely, I think COVID's been the best thing for our business, uh, and I think that has been the tipping point because we've totally we've looked at the value we add, the time we spend, the time invested on each campaign, and how we partner with different clients, and that our, our business model was was flawed really. So we've totally ripped up the old business model, and we partner with our clients in a different way, which means that we will we get paid for our time as opposed to for our yep. success. So you can build a business based on time and some sustainability there. But also it means that we're accountable. We'll only work exclusively with our clients, but that means we're accountable to deliver for them. And in terms of our the people that work with us, they feel like they are part of that business because they're getting paid for their, their endeavours and their time invested as opposed to maybe not getting paid. And there's nothing more disheartening than thinking, am I going to get paid for the work that I put in? At the end of the day, we're not, we're not a charity, we're a business. Um, yeah, that's what I always think is mad about recruitment, which is I find is really difficult business because you can put so much legwork in, get right to the very end. You're almost in the touching distance of that yeah. commission, effectively the finishing line, and you either get the candidate or the client, you turn it at the last minute. And, and, and it's a lot of time, effort. And how, how does that work? And I think very smart in terms of this business model where you're supporting the process and there's a, a professional services rep which recognises the importance of people within business and partnership. But how do you kind of plan that and map that? So I think one of the, the hardest things with a lot of businesses is growth. You know, how, how you kind of grow the business and you kind of build in the growth when humans who, who are quite emotional creatures, who've got the ability to U-turn it for all manner of reasons right at the very end in yeah. those days how, how did you how did you plan and how did you support that growth knowing that that, that can happen in business in your line of business quite regularly yeah. well yeah well back in the day I don't, I don't think we did plan for that so that's why I think COVID has been you know a real breath of fresh air for us in terms of how we've really evolved our proposition you know as, as you said alluded to earlier anything could happen at the end of a process you could have played it brilliantly and done everything but not get paid for it 
on the basis of yeah the rug being pulled or the client's uh, sister's daughter coming out of the woodwork saying oh, I can do that job or or anything and yeah not having any any financial reward for weeks or even maybe months so so yeah so we, we've just made sure that we you know we will only partner with clients on an exclusive basis first and foremost yep and there'll be you know a, a, a figure agreed up front like a retainer or an assignment fee that will get paid which covers that time invested at the very outset of the process so we're mitigating against the risk of working for nothing that a none of us can afford to do now in this climate or none of us could afford to do ever and so we're getting paid for our endeavors yet yeah, i guess the the big tranche of payment is on successful completion of the assignment on the start date of the candidate but um i guess it's just proving the value of our partnership at the very um start of a campaign with any client and the rigor and the expertise that we're going to invest into each assignment to to get the result that they're looking for does that answer your question sam yeah it does and i think i think one thing what i want to do is, is, is before we wrap up or, or kind of to wrap up is really to kind of if if i if i come to you right now and i said look our business is, is having a big growth spurt everyone's come out of uh, the woodwork as it were from covid people are spending again and i need to strategically grow my business through people so I know I need someone in innovation, need someone in HR and all the kind of disciplines that, that you operate in. And I would engage you on an exclusive basis. What would be the tips? You know, what, what, what would I be doing? Cause I think there's, there's a lot of people out there and, and I'm hearing it a lot, which is they almost don't know where to start. I think when you're in an arms race and you've almost quite literally too many gun references, got a gun to your head, you know, and you've got to make quick decisions and you've got to do things. I think people start to panic and they almost get frozen by it and they don't even know what to do because the pace of things is so great and I don't want to make mistakes. You know, there's, there's one thing about I need to hire someone and the problems of not hiring someone, but there's also... I was in such a panic and I was so really quick to get things going because I didn't want to lose someone. I actually made a mistake and I've now got a senior person in play who's actually not right for this business, who isn't going to support growth. So I thought if we could end on some tips and, and, and if, if, if you are a growing business, and you are looking to hire some people, what's the, the best way to go right now? Yeah, so it's funny you say that actually. I mean, I was always taught, um, I'm part of a, a networking entrepreneurs business club in London called the Supper Club. And over the years that I've been a member there, I've always on the topic of hiring it's always been around the, the the notion of hire slowly fire fast so obviously go through that recruitment process really slowly make sure everyone's been been met and the, the t's are uh, crossed and i's dotted and you know if, if you do need to get rid of someone get rid of someone fast because uh, it will fester but i guess in a way it's flipped, it's flipped a little bit as you say but my my recommendations or is have a clear plan in place Lots of businesses that, that we know will try and hire, hire off their own bat, but they might not have the internal resources to do it. They might just chuck an advert out there uh, and then come to us and say, do you know what, we've, we've tried, but no one's nibbling on our, on our advert or the kind of people we are getting aren't, aren't the people at the top of their tree. So if you have a budget to partner with, and this is not me pitching, by the way, just if you have a, if you have a budget to partner with, a recruiter or a headhunter who is exceptional in their field. It's like partnering with a, a great finance partner or partnering with a great legal partner. You know, getting getting a good recruiter is, is worth their weight in gold that you can who can go on the journey with you, can learn about your culture, learn about the the leaders, and then you can just say, right, well, you, you found me Jane. Can you find me another Jane, please? And you already know what the DNA of that business looks like. So invest 
time in, at the start of a relationship with any partner, whether it is a, a finance partner, a legal partner, R&D, tax partner, whatever it might well be, and then go on the journey with them. So if you have got the resources and the budget to go with a recruiter, invest loads of time at the start of it, do a really good deep dive so that recruiter can be that compelling raconteur in the marketplace, can go and dazzle people that might not be looking, but then introduce them to the very best people. Yes, I think you do need to make sure you're expediting the process so as not to lose them. But as you say, don't don't trip over yourself. Don't just jump, jump, you know, not go through one step of the process because you're going to lose someone. If they believe in you, that this individual and you believe in them, they, they will hopefully wait another 24, 48 hours so you can meet another strategic person or whatever it might well be to make sure that everything is sent to check. So Yes, be dynamic and make sure you're giving the impression. Because I think what the process now is very much, the interviewing process now is very much a, a candidate test driving the business and the culture and yeah, how adapting and how dynamic, dynamic you can be. And as you said, you know, it's a bit like the dating process, isn't it? You know, if, you, if you're, you know, not I'm, I'm married now, I think you are, but cast your mind back um, to pre-being pre with your wife, you know, you send a WhatsApp, to you to you know you're doing a bit of courting and they look at the message and then don't come back to you within 24 40 you lose interest don't you like well obviously they're not interested it's exactly the same with a, a client candidate experience it's that kind of sort of matchmaking and you need to keep keep you know keep the the, the razzle dazzle alive throughout that process so yeah i think dynamic comms make sure the right people are available if you can meet in person don't forget to do that because that's when the magic happens. You know, I was down in London. I started going to do my London trips. I'm living back in Manchester now, um, but I'm doing my London trips two days a week now. And just getting in front of people, you just get to that that level of personal understanding of people and the relationships just go go like that. I think I'm ram- rabbiting on and going off piece a little bit, Simon. But yeah, I think just getting to know people, getting to know people, and the depth of, the depth of relationships throughout that courting process or recruiting process is absolutely crucial. Yeah, I think kind of in summary there, I think, yeah, that investment in recruitment. So I think one would imagine or one would hope or you're not going to work with the days where it's like, I've got a certain percentage to pay and that's fixed by finance unless I can hire someone and put it out to five recruiters at 15% or whatever is I'm not interested. I mean, that's not going to work if you're looking to build your business. You're going to need someone who's, like you say, exclusive. And so there's, there's a trust in there. It's not about old school word matching and like you say, and just trying to get people in. And I think like you say, and, and that resonates with me and what I said before about this feeling about actually being wanted, which is very much like dating. Like you say, if, if someone's ghosted me for a week and I don't know where I'm at in the process, one would assume you're not that interested. So I'll go to someone who's mad keen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's, yeah, there's that. And yeah, I think just on, if you are going to go with a recruitment partner, make sure that you put that recruitment partner through their paces because they're going to be representing you, your business in the market. And you want to make sure they're representing you in the very best light because if they're not representing you in the very best light, you're not going to get the best people. Simple as that. People by people. And I think that's really important. And actually your first engagement with that business will be via somebody like you. you know. So on that note, probably a perfect place to leave it because Leon, as you can tell, would be a good person to represent your business. And, and obviously, like you say, you get on with everyone. Uh, we've known each other for, for, for a long time, so can't recommend enough. Uh, weareadam.com is your website. Correct, um, yeah. 
and I'm sure, it, I mean, there's going to be many people listening to this and actually we need to have a conversation after because I know someone who needs your help, um, yeah. who, who are going to need to build teams and do that in a really smart, strategic way. And so can't recommend uh, Leon enough. Thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. I will, a, a, thanks for the plug and thank you for inviting me on your podcast and yeah, I'm loving what you're doing and good luck with it all. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of the Evolve podcast. I hope you've taken inspiration and learned something from this week's interview. And I'd love to see you here next week. So please do subscribe. If you're interested in finding out more about what we're doing at Evolve, be sure to check us out by visiting goevolve.co.uk. And finally, remember, in business and in life, you never stop evolving. See you next week. <laughs>